Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Vikings. We are in the post-Zimmer era, the post-Steelman era, and it's an era that is conducting interviews right now for both of those open spots. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Bryant McKinney, who played for the Vikings for 10 years and won a Super Bowl after his tenure with the Vikings with the Ravens. Then he went on to play with the Dolphins for a little bit. We're joined tonight by Katie. She's back from Billings, Montana, with Sally from Minneapolis and Ron from Eden Prairie. That's the group. We're going to get into all of the Vikings topics of the week. First, however, we're going to talk about our sponsor, which is betonline.ag. BetOnline wishes you a happy new year, a happy betting new year, as we continue to march through our playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sporting sports wagering actions for 2022. New year, new updated desktop in a mobile website design. Uh, you can sign up today at Believe and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV Believe to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all your amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. The coaching search is underway, even though we're doing it kind of an odd fashion. The general manager is allegedly going to select the head coach, but we don't have one. Nevertheless, we're hired or interviewing coaches, and I believe it's to weed out first interviews so that the eventual general manager can come in and talk to the guys that the owners like that's my spitballing i'm not sure regardless we do have a coaching pool and the first uh question that i have for the panel i'm going to go to katie from billings montana correct so yeah (laughs) you want to correct me was that wrong no that was right that was right okay all right my question is there's been kind of a consensus among the fan base that it's time to switch to an offense coach because we've had a decade of defensive guys. The first one did not work out very well. The second one, depending on your interpretation, did pretty well, but didn't take the team to promised land. So the pendulums would suggest that we need to try the Sean McVay type, Kyle Shanahan type, or at least the guy who cares about the offense. And right now, the roll call of men that are interviewing for the job are there's more defensive ones at all. So does that spook you at all? Or, you know, what are your thoughts in general? Uh, it doesn't spook me. I know I said before that I, you know, was hoping we'd get somebody um, more offensive minded this time around. Um, but some of the news that's come out in the last couple of weeks, uh, I think you were right before by saying we need a leader of men more so than on either side of the ball. Um, I'm okay with the, 
a defensive minded coach, as long as they don't hate the offense. I mean, that's an improvement. So somebody who's willing to acknowledge that there are both sides of the ball and it takes both to win, um, I think is an upgrade from that standpoint. I think that would be, that would be growth. Yeah. To somebody that, as you said, doesn't side eye the offense into, you know, resentment almost. And then I think, I think I'm on board with an endorsement as Ron has said. And I think Sally has said for an offensive dude, I think my one lack of prerequisites, I don't need it to be a young guy. I need it to be a guy that connects with the players. I don't care if he's 30 or 80. Uh, I think as long as he, he can lead men, then that's fine with me. But if you look at the lay of the land right now, the four teams that are remaining in the NFC, anyhow, it's all offensive background coaches. And that's irrefutable proof. That's like a stat that you can't argue with. And I know it's not that way every year, but something's working. Oh, here he is. Uh, Bryant has arrived. Mm-hmm. Mr. McKinney. Can you hear us good, sir? What up, Bryant? What up? How you doing? Good. Would you hey. actually coming back from um tennis? Oh, really? Hey, Katie. Hi. Playing with Serena? <laughs> no, I was at doing a men's clinic. Oh, okay. Cool. You got the guns out. <laughs> he is well he's he's arrived sally let me ask you that question um on the litany of defensive coaches that are in the mix evidently the ownership enjoys these defensive guys there's no refuting that um are you spooked at all that we have so many that are in the mix no i'm not i know that i did say you know i would prefer an offensive minded for a few different reasons but kind of going off of with what katie said i think it's much more important to be a leader as you guys said but and to just be able to delegate those tasks in the areas that aren't your expertise and actually trust those people that you appointed, not try to micromanage them. Um, And so I don't think it necessarily matters what their background is, uh, just as long as they are a good coworker, a good boss, and um, are able to compromise with someone who might have a little bit more knowledge in a certain area. Um, Again, I agree. It's about motivating and connecting with the players. Yes, you can be any age to do that. um, But I do think it's just going to happen more naturally when you are a little bit younger. I mean, if you just think about yourself personally, our parents communicate with us differently than we communicate with our kids and stuff like that. So I think you just have a better chance of maybe, you know, um, bonding and building that layer of trust if the age is a little closer. But of course, that's not, you know, a deal breaker by any means. I think it's just most important to do your due diligence, as Rick Spielman would say, and um, evaluate all of the candidates. Speaking of Spielman, did you rattle any trees, Bryant, or no luck yet? Um, I tried to, but I'm still working on it. Okay. Yeah. For the, <laughs> the listeners, because of, because Bryant um, was affiliated with Spielman there in the two thousands, trying to see if we can have him on the show now that he doesn't work for the Vikings. Cause it would be awesome to pick his brain. Uh, Bryant, the, the Vikings roll call of coach candidates is pretty much an even mix of offense and defense with a little heavy on the defense. Now, most, most fans I'd say probably want to go with an offensive coach this time. Um, for the future of the Vikings, do you care, sir? Do you think it's time to go offense? Um, like they already have a decent offense, so you might as well keep it going. Um, and but at the same time, I still feel like you you make the right hires. Defense, you know, defense side should be able to take care of you know that as well. Like you still want to draft the, the appropriate people too. But um, I wouldn't mind offensive side. Offensive side always makes things more exciting. But you know, defense, you know. Helps win championships. So, yeah. you know, either or, I just feel like putting the right piece, people on the plate and they, you know, do their job, it, it should all, you know, come together. 
Ron, you and Sally have been in the camp of Brian Daybowl, and he's an offensive-minded dude, and he had an impressive showing this weekend, a shellacking of the best defensive coach and coach in general ever. So that's quite the notch on the resume. Um, so I want to know, it's it's quite evident that that you guys are would be fine with him. What would it take if they do go defensive again? You know, it's like just their thing, the ownership. Um, what do you need from that guy for it to be the, the anti-Zimmer? So... You know, I think um, while I've leaned towards maybe getting more of an offensive guy in, um, a lot of that has to do with not necessarily swinging the pendulum the other way. It's more so the talent we have on offense. I want to see someone maximize that. And uh, I feel like having someone that can do that on the, from the top level down um, would be the best bet. Um, although the one who has kind of came to the top of my list over the weekend. Um, you know, I, I think I had left, which one Dable to um, Raheem Morris is actually the one who has jumped up my list. And a lot of it because um, the versatility that he has, um, the fact that he has coached on both sides of the ball at the NFL level, he was the Atlanta's wide receiver coach, um, you know, with Calvin Ridley, with Julio Jones. And then he was the, obviously a defensive mind um, now with the Rams. Um, now, granted that Rams defense has a lot of talent. They have two of the best individual defensive players in the league and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So it's hard to give him too much credit from that. Uh, but I feel like someone who, if you go the retread route, he has the experience as a head coach um, that's overseen things from the top level down, but now he also has the experience um, on an intimate level um, on both sides of the ball. He, um, that's ultimately what I want is someone who I know, like we've talked about a CEO of the team, not someone who this is my offense. I'm going to do it my way. You know, like Brad Childress, where he was always Andy Reed's guy, but he never did anything in Philly. He never called the plays. He was just Andy Reed's right-hand man. Why? Because he's bald and has a mustache. I don't know if Andy Reed's bald. He's always got a hat, hat on, but, um, he, to me, I was never a fan of Chile Bryant. I know you we've talked, we've talked about it in the past, but uh, I just want someone like I said it in 2006 when he was hired, we need to fire him and promote Mike Tomlin. And that was, you know, mid season, just because of the fieriness <laughs> that Tomlin had. Um, I have friends that could back me up on that. I, and like I said before with Tomlin, um, he is a defensive guy, but he's a four, three guy running strict three, four defense in Pittsburgh. So he clearly, while he's a defensive guy is more hands off in that approach. And he's considered one of the best coaches in the league. So I just want someone who is the head coach who can add their insight, but doesn't want to micromanage every little bit of the way. So whoever that may be, um, you know, it's obviously nice stable going out and um, with a quarterback who's not always the most accurate to be able to put him in situations to win a game. So that helps as well. Um, I mean, I think the fact that they're not jumping the gun with this decision with either general manager or coach, I think that bodes well for the Vikings um, because they are, they're taking their time and, you know, the quote unquote, getting it right, you know, yeah. as if um, an ownership wants to be out there to get it wrong. Um, you know, the Christian Ponder era, that type of stuff. It's no one wants to get it wrong, but take your time, vet out all the candidates and make a decision from there. And guys, you, mm-hmm. you know what I just realized? What? So the Vikings interviewed Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. Remember the hard knock season with the Falcons. Mike Tice was the offensive line coach. Oh, so yeah. maybe Mike Tice can come back with Dan. <laughs> maybe he did say when he was on with us that there's a couple coaches that if they got a yeah. shot that he would come back for. Maybe uh, oh, that's got to be one that of them. Is one of them. Yeah. I'm all about Dan Quinn now. Yeah, you would. You would <laughs> get the contract. You would have to. I mean, Ron, I would bet 
thousands of dollars on it that that's one of the guys because yeah. the, the field is, is kind of whittled down uh yeah. fans, i'm gonna tweet mike right now yeah do it fans, fans will remember that raheem morris waltzed <laughs> in the u.s bank stadium last year and beat our ass in, yeah. in, in a game that we were kind of teetering on trying to figure out if the, the bad start was a fluke this was 2020 and i can't i think it was his first game and they came in and just made us look like imbeciles. And it happened a lot in early in the 2020 season. Um, yeah, with Quinn, that one is a little strange because we're trying to get over this hump of mediocrity. But his career record is 43 and 42. And then he's a defensive guy. And then he was the coach of the almighty heartbreak. And we're already a heartbreak franchise. So there's three things there that I'm like, that's that's a little weird. Uh, but well, I guess every person incorrect. <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't hit Atlanta's offenses really underperform when he was there too? Shanahan's? I mean, that was Shanahan. Oh, in, they, general, uh, in general, they I decided see. that when it was 28 to no, three, that they wanted to. Oh, well, I mean, like Matt, uh, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, like they, they always like were very up and down. I feel like, yeah, they got, they got really good for about two years. And that was 2015, 2016. And then they started to decline. And then but they still weren't that good. Like they, <laughs> they didn't live up to their expectations yeah. is what Correct. I mean. They were predicted to go to the Super Bowl and they would lose in the playoffs. Yeah, And they should have won. They should have stepped on the throats of Shanahan on the offense and been Super Bowl champs. But in uh, 2017, they were supposed to beat the Eagles. Yeah. History. And they lost. Otherwise. Yep. Oh, yeah, I know that ruined a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. So you're gonna you're gonna try to see if that's tangible on the Tice thing. I'm um, tweeting them right now. Just, um, let's talk. We talked about this a little bit with Cousins last week, and it was more on the, the onus of the folks responding on what what are you gonna do if Cousins is traded. But I want to lift up for listeners that the fact that the the new general manager, new head coach coming in, it's it's very very real that Cousins is traded. About three weeks ago, when betting money was on Steelman staying, I considered it a long shot because that would that would Simone would have Spillman would have to concede and said I messed that up, which which could have happened. But right now, it's really a coin flip on whether or not uh, Cousins returns in in twenty twenty two. So, Ron, I'll ask you starting off this segment: Are you able to? Because believe it or not, I can I can get behind this if if it means uh, a trade and a draft pick haul and a fresh start. Even even the guy that's perceived as the ultimate Cousins guy, I'm totally fine with it. Um, are you on board if that is the vision, sir? So I actually, um, I mean, I'm, I'll be on board as long as they have a direction that makes sense. Now, if that direction is we're going to trade Cousins for draft capital and we're going to recondraft one of these quarterbacks that may, like, you know, it's not a distinct or a definitive, you know, quarterback class, then I might have a problem with it. But if they take a step back and, um, you know, find that maybe one year, you know, like we've dealt with our entire lives of a, a bridge quarterback. Um, as long as they have an answer to find that future, I'm okay with. Now, there's also a part of me that looks at it as I think that an answer will come um, depending on who gets hired as a coach. If they bring in a first-time coach, I feel like that's more likely for a, uh, a first-time coach to want to bring in their own guy, however that is. If it's a retread coach or, you know, some coach that is been a head coach before, I think it's more likely that Cousins stays because chances are those coaches who would be rehired were let go or fired because they know how important that quarterback position is, whether it's Peterson in Philly when Carson Wentz 
you know, decided that he doesn't understand how to play football anymore. Um, or at least at that time, he had a little bit of a rebound year. Or uh, Raheem Morris in Tampa when, uh, you know, Jameis Winston's throwing interceptions. Um, they all were fired or let go because of more than likely a, a, a quarterback. And I think a retread understands that, hey, my job is on the line. They're not going to want to go through a full rebuild. So there will be a transition one way or another. But I think that would leave Cousins here, and then they find someone, maybe a second or third round type guy, whether that's Mond, I don't know, um, who they can kind of see what's going on um, or see what the potential is. Or even, like I mentioned with the Alex Smith situation, you have that type of quarterback, and then you identify a guy and move up and then make the trade um, to bring them in. Or what the Niners did this year, they have Garoppolo. But they trade up. They identify Trey Lance as their future. Um, I see that more likely happening yeah. with a, a veteran coach versus a first timer. Okay. On the on the idea of trading cousins, I want to point out. I was thinking about this today that it it's it's a reasonable assumption that the Los Angeles Rams could get to the Super Bowl or win the thing. And if that happened, I believe that bodes well for the Vikings because. Um, I've debated this ad nauseum for two years. Statistically, Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford are the same guy. One may not be as cool as the other and blah, blah, blah. But that would bode well for a team that believes that they are a quarterback away from contention. So I, I wanted to point that out, that if the Rams were to go almost all the way or all of the way, then that probably is going to shoot Cousins' trade price up by a bit because the vision is there, the blueprint that says, you know what, if you get a guy that can – put up this production, then you can probably get to the dance. So I want to toss that out in the open. Katie, tell me about, um, are will you be able to embrace the idea? Like let's say on day one, the general manager comes in and says he's shaking things up and heavily implies that cousins is on the trade docket. Are you okay with that? You know, I'll get there. Um, I'm a Vikings <laughs> fan above, yeah. you know, any individual player, but I would be disappointed because I think I always have a case of what could have been. Like, I want to see, Cousins, even if it's just for the last year of his contract, I want to see what he'll do under different coaching. Um, it would be a very Vikings tale for us to trade off Cousins to the Steelers and have them go to the Super Bowl the next year. Um, and, you know, whether that happens or not, I, I think I would, I'd have a lot of whataboutism if we don't get uh, at least one more year out of Cousins under different leadership. A lot of what could have been. Yeah. And then, you know, you, I think you would hope that he goes to Denver, Cleveland, or Pittsburgh and does well because we know what he's going to do. It's going to the same thing that he does every year, and that's the production. And then you hope that the, the team around him is good enough defensively to get to get into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sally, tell me your, tell me your feeling. I, I think <laughs> that you would – I think you're either happy or skeptical either way. Is that fair? That if Cousins yeah. – mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, I uh, needed to, uh, I just did my own research and I was actually wrong on the Mike Tice, Dan Quinn thing. Uh, Mike Tice was in Arizona in 2014, or sorry, Atlanta in 2014 when Mike Smith was the coach. So I don't know in what universe I was dreaming that those two were on hard knocks together, but glad I didn't tweet him because that would have been real embarrassing. <laughs> so I could fix, at least I only told our, you know, thousands of listeners, but um, <laughs> as far as cousins goes, yeah. I mean, my answer really hasn't changed much there. I, I mean, I'm good either way, um, depending how it plays out. I, it, I think it does whichever way the new general manager takes a look at his contract and how the roster is built and what him and 
or her and the head coach see is the um, what they feel is the best track to getting this team um, to winning the division and to the Super Bowl, I will support that um, completely. So I, I can see it being going either way and I would be fine with it. Because this is uh, kind of what you wanted, right? You wanted the new a new leadership. You wanted the yes. new, new pair of eyes. I, th- yes. I think you support or you like the Wilfs. Yes, and, I love the Wilfs. Yeah. I think they do a great job. So I think you um, got. I think you got your way here. This this is what I wanted. Like I said, <laughs> I don't know what the answer is to Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he should be extended. I don't know if he should be traded. I don't know if he's underrated. I don't know if he's overrated. I, I don't know, but I do know that I don't want someone who already has, you know, a lot of time and money and history invested in making the decision. I wanted someone coming in brand new, seeing everything clearly and deciding. Um, and that's what, that's what I'm going to get. So yeah, we'll about, see. Yeah. In about <laughs> three or four weeks, you yeah. get your list. Uh, Brian, I'm going to, um, Brian, I'm going to pivot topics here. I've, I've been a question that's been, uh, a burning inside me since Saturday. Did you watch the Cowboys and Niners game, sir? I did. Okay, so at the end of the game, when Dak Prescott, the play call was the, the quarterback scamper, and he didn't get down in time, and the game ran out. Um, some fans said that he should have, you know, he's paid $40 million. He should have called out of that play and ran his own play. And one of your teammates, John Sullivan, was arguing with somebody on social media that said that's not how it works. Like, quarterback doesn't just get to say, no, bro, we're not doing that. Um, so I want, I want your take. Cause you were in multiple huddles. Do all quarterbacks, can they just say the hell with that call? I ain't doing it. Well, Brett Favre used to, but like, he was like one, one of the very few who did that. Um, pretty much if something was called, uh, I'm going to say majority of quarterbacks that I played with besides him, which is rolling whatever the call was. And that was just, if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it was basically based on whoever called it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But uh, I feel like by Brett being, you know, a 20-year veteran, is some things he's seen that, you know, some of those coaches didn't see. Or, you know what I mean? So he he called things off a lot. But uh, maybe he's not in that position or feel comfortable enough to do that yet. No, yeah, I wouldn't think so at 26 or whatever. But I'm sure like a Tom Brady may, you know, call some things, you know, call out things. Okay, seen, so. I mean, when you have all these years and you've seen everything multiple times at this point, you understand the offense. You understand the game better than your coaches at some point. You're probably teaching them. <laughs> yeah. So in a, in a scenario with Favre, if he did that, some for some godforsaken reason, they called for him for a scamper in the playoffs. And if he said, I'm Favre, I don't run, I'm going to pass. Would would he get any flack from Childress, from Daryl Bevel, from anybody? Um, he would get flack if it didn't work. <laughs> he would. Okay. So let's keep my children also tried to bench him. And... You know, um, he, they would get flagged the work. He was a genius. So, you know, that's how that goes. Yeah. Amen. Sorry. One, now, one question. Jump in there. Yeah. One question I do have, like, so regarding that play now, it's one of those where hindsight, obviously like time ran out, it didn't work, but uh, in the moment, I actually thought that, Hey, like that's actually a smart play to be able to do that. Now taking the play side out of it, because again, like and I'm not criticizing the rest by any means because they obviously like they're doing their job and the umpire has to touch the ball. I get that. So I'm not disparaging them at all, but it seemed like the, the sense of urgency, like from the referee's standpoint and even the players, like players are lined up. Um, but the ref, like one as he's running in, he runs into Dak Prescott and he, he basically runs over the center, like in the situation like that, don't, can't they like be Put like, some time hey, back on the clock? 
or not put some time, but yeah, like do like the ready for like, you know, official timeout. We're going to set the ball and place it on my whistle, like that type of thing, because there was a lot that it looked like that happened where again, seeing replays of Packers games in the past, the umpires always running down the field, like, and maybe that's on the Cowboys for not letting the refs know like, Hey, we're going to run this ball or we're going to, like, we, we need you to get up and give us the opportunity to spike it. Because to me, 14 seconds is an awful lot of time to be able to run that play and get lined up and get a spike. I mean, you see it happen all the time where, you know, the tackled inbounds, unless it's Chase Claypool celebrating, you know, down eight. Um, but uh, like, it seems like there was some officiating blunders that, could have been fixed one way or another on the field. Have you ever encountered something like that where it seems like um, you guys as an offense do everything, but you're not given the chance? Um, not really that I can recall, but I do know that sometimes the, you know, the rest aren't alert or aware, but normally the quarterbacks kind of, kind of relay, you know, messages and kind of let the know what's kind of Okay. It was uh, it was my favorite part of the weekend because I don't give a shit about the Cowboys. Is right after, oh, I don't either. right when, right when you know we're it's mini pandemonium. You're trying to figure out what happened, and then the ref just comes up and said, "Time ran out," and then he just jogged off. <laughs> there was no there was no look at it or anything. I thought that's why I tweeted what I did. How soul crushing that would have been if that was the purple team because it like it to me it felt like they didn't even bother to look. They were just like, "Oh, we're we're done." The best part is like, so obviously like all the fans and all the reaction is like, well, like they should have got, or whatever. That's a terrible play call, whatever. That wouldn't have been the touchdown. They still had needed yeah. to score a touchdown and they haven't been able to do shit all game long. Yeah. Like, but you think now all of a sudden like that, you're going to be able to get it 25 yards for the right. score. Like, so aside from the play call, like whatever, like you guys screwed up the game far before <laughs> right. that. And Jimmy Garoppolo tried to give it back to you. Um, so I just, I, I find it comical, but it, from a football standpoint, it did look like they kind of got a little screwed out of not being able to spike the ball. Like I've seen, like I said, the Packers are notorious for having the refs on their side, it seems. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the refs like stop the clock, let the ump get in position to touch yeah. the ball. Like as long as all the, the team is lined up because it seems like unfair to a team that, Hey, you're lined up, but the ref, because his fat ass is jogging downfield. <laughs> um, not, not saying that the ump by any means, uh, but just in general, Remember when uh, they against the Buccaneers last year for the Vikings, when they like paused the clock, for yes, Tom for Brady, Brady got a got a second left on the clock for some like <laughs> perfect example. Right before the like, right before the pass interference, Hail Mary, no less. Yes, <laughs> so that that that's where I'm like because I want consistency, just like in the Bengals game, you know, where there was that the blown whistle or whatever that didn't impact the play at all. Like the guy, like the touchdown was already being scored essentially. Like so, don't act like the the cornerback stopped because he was burnt anyways. Or yeah. I mean, it, it, there was too much time on like. That type of stuff, I can understand the NFL tiptoeing, but uh, but this one well, like was not. BMAC, I'm wondering what your opinion is. Why do you think there are so many inconsistencies in the referees in 2022? Like, I mean, I know that you're making judgment calls a lot of the time, and believe me, I would mess a lot of that up. But like, I don't get how they're not put through like extensive training. Why are they still only part-time employees? Like, it doesn't seem like the NFL really cares to make it the best product that it can be. I don't know, but they should because a lot of those uh, bad calls can affect, you know, the outcome of history in some of these games. And the Um, momentum. Like, when you're, have you ever played in a game where you're just getting, you just feel like the calls are very one-sided and it like changes the pace of 
Your New Orleans? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. 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 I've definitely had that. And I feel like you're... And like, you know, a lot, of players, a lot of players that feel like they, they feel like, okay, we're playing against not only them, but the referees as well. So a right. lot of people have those games where they feel like we're playing against the refs too. And that's not a good feeling, especially if you feel like you can't overcome it. But when you overcome it and still win, you're happy. Like, it's like yeah, yeah, they try to slow us down. But um, I think they do need to go have some more, like, extensive uh, classes or learning or something because some of these calls are, like, just not good. Well, and these are supposed to be the best of the best of what they have for right. these games. So um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, let know. me jump in. I was yeah. going to say, it seems like the NFL, they don't care if there's controversy like this, because guess what? Everyone's talking about it, whether it's good or bad. Right. Like yeah. it, it doesn't make the NFL as a, as a brand. Like, you know, there's always going to be the people that's it. I'm never watching the game again, but it's like, oh, yeah. well, you're going to be back in on Sunday. Cause you want to see what else is going to happen next. So um, it's never bad publicity for the NFL when stuff like that happens. Speaking of uh, calls like that, today is the 20 year anniversary of the Tuck Rule and the Raiders Patriots in 2002 oh. divisional playoff game. Anybody that wow. anybody cares about Got that? Got it on the calendar. I, I just, <laughs> at, at, at my daytime job, I, I go through sometimes the events of the day from history, and that one was on there. So I thought I'd lift it up to the group. The thing about some of the, what they could do, whether it's better training or enhancements. Like the tennis, which is one of my favorite sports as well. Like they've introduced a long time ago, um, the technology to tell if a serve is in or out and it changed everything. Cause you don't have to rely on our interpretation. It right. slows it down and it happens like this and you don't, nobody bitches about like, Oh boy, we have to go watch the replay. It's just a part of how it goes. And there's yeah. no reason you couldn't do that on first downs and whatnot. Like there, there is absolutely no reason I, I say like laser technology that, that might even be outdated. Um, but in 2022, if they wanted to get rid of the, the j- dudes jogging up and down with the chains, like there's a way to do it. I, I don't get why they haven't, but there's certainly a way to do it. Commercial. It's also maybe? the other part of that is like, why is it limited to only national televised game where they have those extra cameras on the goal line? Like, oh yeah. The Monday right. night game is a perfect example. Matthew Stafford's ruled not in. You have the clear overhead shot. No yeah. questions. Like whatever. That happened to us with Jefferson. Yeah. Because the game's mm-hmm. at noon and it's not a, a it's a regional game. Like, the NFL, this billion dollar enterprise where the commissioner is making 40 million a year, you can't put an extra camera in the pylon like everywhere else. It's only right. if it's a 325 right. game or Sunday night, Monday night. Like, who were, the, who were the Vikings playing when Jefferson thought he scored? I think it was the, was it the Niners? Um, or no, it was at home because no. we were there. Was, yeah. And it was, I thought uh, it was, I thought it was good. But then when I got home, uh, like there was no technology I, that showed the goal line cam, which would have definitively said yes or no. Was it the Browns? No, it wasn't that long ago. I want to say it was either the, it wasn't Thursday night because they would have had it against the Steelers. And I want to say it was maybe the Rams, but I also felt like we won that game. I think it was the Thursday night game. Was it really? I think it might've been. I Mm, Okay. Mm. Because Dalvin scored right after. Yeah. I might be wrong. We can dig into it. Um, I want to, so on that topic about the Cowboys and 49ers, Katie. So the 49ers, survived the advance from the Cowboys and like, uh, despite Garoppolo kind of floundering down the stretch, they're going on to green Bay. They have defeated the Packers three straight times in the playoffs. It's a dirty little secret. Media doesn't talk about it. Usually at this time in the cycle, the media starts talking about how it's the Aaron Rodgers revenge game. And I was hoping they do do that. Cause it all, it never works out. Anytime they, they advertise that they end up losing. And so uh, I want to know, do you have confidence at all that the Niners can beat the Packers or is it more of a living on a prayer type of thing? 
anything can happen. I know Bob Saget's uh, Danny Tanner was a 49ers fan. And so they're going to win it for him. And embarrassingly not Green Bay out of the playoffs. Yeah. I, I and think- enough to send him into a spiral. Rogers will hate Green Bay again and he'll insist on leaving and go somewhere else. And everything is coming up Vikings. <laughs> All thanks to Bob Saget. <laughs> That's the way to tie it back. Um, so no matter when Rogers loses, if that happens, it's this weekend, the following weekend, Super Bowl might be a little bit different because they, they, they haven't been there either since the 2010 season. Whenever he loses, the Packers lose, that's going to start. It's going to, was he going to go out? And I don't know if he'll let it drag on again because it seemed like towards the end that got on his nerves. And all of a sudden, he's really vocal about everything. He's, yeah, he's, he's like a talk show host himself. And so <laughs> I don't know because he likes that type of limelight. He'll probably open his mouth beforehand because last uh, draft day is when the news broke. And then it lasted for three months. And I don't know if he liked that or not. So I know there will be drama driven by the media, but I don't know if it'll last all you know, up until the draft, um, but we shall see. Sally, do you reasonably think the Niners will win or do you think that's a long shot? I mean, I think it's very possible. I think obviously they, though, are dealing with a lot of injury issues and they're having a short week with having to play on Saturday. So I hope so. Um, but, you know, the Vi- or the Packers have had this week off to recover, so they're going to be more fresh. Um, but I almost... Of course, I never want Green Bay to win, and I'll be very satisfied if they lose. But it's almost a little more delicious for them to lose another <laughs> NFC Championship game. You yeah. know, like that's that's even a little juicier than to the 49ers. So I'm I'm good either way. I, I'm convinced that I'm the only only guy in the world that will advertise that they've lost four straight NFC Championships because it's it's not broadcast. Isn't it crazy? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I, mean, I don't it, get it at all. I, I think it's because it's so hard to swallow that that would happen to a Rogers led enterprise mm-hmm. that we just don't want to make him look bad. And it's clearly not his fault. And so I, I think it just flies under the radar and it'll probably be something that one of the commentators mentions, but in the buildup, it's yeah. really, it's, he's not considered a choker. No. Nope. Well, and if they lose, if for some reason it ends up being a Brady Rogers NFC championship yeah. game, I don't think that'll be the narrative at all either. Yeah. If nope. he, if he loses, it won't be, Oh, they've lost X amount in a row. It'll be, Oh, it's the two of the two of all best of all time yeah. are, are lined up against each other. It's oh, going to no be doubt. a shootout. Oh, and it'll be fun. And that's what me. they want. You know, yeah. that's why for me, it'll be sweeter if Jimmy Garoppolo beats him. Um, Cause <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> you guys remember the last time that that happened, Garoppolo threw the ball six times in the game. Yeah, that was the 2019 yeah. NFC That's Championship. 300 Me. yards rushing or 290, whatever yep. it was. Raheem, yep. So they match up. Coming said, out party. I said this last week on uh, on a Kentucky show that they Packers, or excuse me, the Niners matched up very well with the the Cowboys, and I told it to a Cowboys fan, and he thought I was full of it. And they also match up very well against the Packers. Now, the only thing that if I was going to wager on this, it's like, can they really beat them four straight times in the playoffs? Something's got to give. Yeah. That's the reason I'm not gung-ho pounding the table for the 49ers, uh, because that's really a lot. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, that these teams that don't have, you know, m- monsters of rock type of quarterbacks, you know, they just Kaepernick, Garoppolo, and they're somehow beating these Packers every time in the playoffs. It's so bizarre. Well, I wonder if NFL Network is reshowing those this week. <laughs> that would be some good porn for me to check out. Amen. <laughs> so, um, right. yeah, but if I, I really hope that they do lose this week, then you're right. Cause I don't want an NFC championship game in Lambeau either. I can't deal with another week of romanticizing that place. 
Yeah, it's the only solace that you have is that somehow <laughs> you guys, you guys know the Packer fans. They they're starting to sound like us in the last two years. They're like they'll find a way to blow it. The ones that I oh, work yeah. with, yeah, the weren't. And I'm like, don't steal my lines. I'm like, this, this, this <laughs> we we wrote these. These are copywritten. Yeah, yeah, no, I, but I kid you not. Um, since the playoffs start, and I've noticed it in the past two seasons, they start to sound like Vikings fans. Like, well, we'll see. You know, nothing's guaranteed when you get the playoff. They'll find a way to blow it. They always do. And I'm like, what, bitch? We we wrote this. <laughs> I think they, they are better that. this year though than they have been. Their defense is way better. Yeah, they also play the "woe is me" card a lot. Like, oh, the refs are never on our side. <laughs> yeah, they have no, no self awareness, <laughs> no self awareness going on over there. Since like, yeah. since we last chatted with the Athletics, John Krasinski, I don't, I think we brought up briefly on that show, but some of the Star Tribune's reporting, and I think there was even some stuff dating back a year and a half ago. Somebody wrote on his Substack or something about the toxicity of the Zimmer locker room, or at least the way that he doesn't act nice towards people. It, uh, the Tribune kind of painted him as this ultra Parcelsian dude, which surprises me none because that's where he came from. And uh, almost like that Belichickian deal where it's no nonsense. And when you're losing, that's not going to cut it. When you when you win, then it's the guy who knows how to run his ship and it works. But Zimmer didn't do that, didn't get to the Super Bowl. And now the, the picture is painted that he kind of got fired because the team wasn't doing so hot and he was kind of a prick. And that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. I want to know, Katie, do you think that ultimately it was that that just rigid culture of non-communication? Was that his undoing? I don't know if it was his undoing or a byproduct of him coming undone. So I think he was probably always, you know, that no nonsense, no bullshit, um, kind of tough guy, tough love type deal. But I think there was a tough love aspect to it. Uh, A couple of years ago, I think we can all agree is when all of his relationships started deteriorating, whether that was because he couldn't get behind cousins, whether it was because the NFL figured out his defensive scheme and it was no longer kind of working out. But I think we kind of witnessed a two year long temper tantrum and he just started getting more rude and blaming players more vocally or more publicly, which only soured the mood and his relationships more and more until kind of a downward spiral. And nobody likes a head coach that doesn't take accountability and plays the blame game. It's really unattractive. It's unattractive as a fan to listen to and watch. I can't imagine what it's like being a player who's bruised and broken for the team and then getting called out by your coach. So, I mean, it was a a long drawn out way to say, I, it definitely didn't help, but I don't think it was the cause. I think it got worse because the end was coming. I think it, the problems were other things and and his rudeness and shortness and blame gameness. Yep. If you would have told us in December of 2017 <clears throat> that he was callous, we'd be like, good, 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 good. It's working, baby. And yep. when, when the bottom starts to fall out and everything's amplified. Hey, Bryant, who was the, the strictest? most strict coach that you played under was it was it Childress or was it somebody else coach Childress was probably the most strict I mean he didn't even want you being on time he was what do you say breasting the tape like as if like you're in like you know track mm-hmm. so like being on time is like you're still late like he was he was strict you always had to be five or ten minutes early just yeah staying, like Okay, I got there at eight fifty nine. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, you're resting the tape. It's like, man, listen, I'm here. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, then throughout throughout your collegiate and NFL career, who was the most opposite of that? Who who was the most relaxed? Uh, Larry Coker. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Just because we by by that point, I was a senior. A bunch of us were seniors, and we kind of knew Bush Davis kind of laid down the foundation, so we knew how things went, and the players helped him. You know, you know, run that show as well. So. It, we didn't have to rely on coaches getting on players because other players would do it on other players and, and motivate too. So he just, he had an easy though to run with the, you know the group of people that was there. So and then we made deal. I'm you know we made deals with him like only be on pads once a week until we lose. We didn't <laughs> lose at all. You know yeah. we, he worked with us. So. Yeah. So was it? It was probably best to find a, a man in the middle of both, like you know lenient versus yeah. strict. But see, because what well with Coach Coker, we in our mind already wanted, we already knew what we wanted, mm-hmm. so we were working to achieve that. So that's why we we were able to set up a little situation where oh, only put us in pads once a week, so we stay fresh, and until we lose, and we lose, then that's our punishment. We twice yeah. a week, but we knew we had to hold that up too to keep you know once a week. Um, somebody who was in the middle, Coach Tice was kind of in the middle because he was fun, but he he knew when he needed to. He would stage speeches sometimes. He would stage some of the things that he did. Like hit the chalkboard, like somebody called him like a fixing it and bang on the chalkboard. Like so, some of his some of his speeches were we assumed some of them were staged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he knew some theatrics he knew when there. He needed to do it, I guess to fire people up or just he'll call people out too sometimes. So he knew what to do, but he also talked to players. He was relatable. He wasn't distant. You know, Coach Childress. I don't feel like he interacted with all the players. Coach Tice kind of did. Okay. Yeah, Ron, we need to do our homework and figure out who, if it's not Dan Quinn, who were the coaches that he was referring to when he joined us a couple months ago? Because I don't know if yeah. any of those dudes are being interviewed this time. Yeah, unless it's unless it's like a lovey. Um, yeah. But I because yeah, he's he did he get fired from Illinois or is he still there? I, I can't recall. I'm not um, sure. but, yeah. Um was it Del Rio? Did he coach under Del Rio for Oakland? Um, I don't I remember who was the Oakland coach in 2015 through 17. It sounds I don't like think it was Del, Del Rio. Or was it Del Rio? I think that was the Derek Carr's big season when he was MVP candidate and broke his leg. Which the coaches are yeah. getting younger, I will say. I've seen how they serve in the playoffs that Tom Brady's older than like three of the coaches. <laughs> and it's like, geez, these coaches are two of them are my age and like one is younger than me. And I remember when I first got to the Dolphins, the coach was like a year younger. Younger to be, and I'm really like, what? he was a quarterback coach, and it was like he was asking me questions about like playing with like Brett Favre and Flacco, just things like that. And he was like three years younger than me. I'm like, I'm so younger than me. How is that? <laughs> like from a player's perspective, like when you get those veterans that are proven in the NFL and they bring in a young guy, like is that like received well in general, or is that something where it's like, like I think it, it well. I think it is. I mean, with me, he wasn't my position coach, so he was a quarterback coach. So I was like, yeah, it was weird to me that he was – I was older than him. Um, but I'm pretty sure it received well because the people he was coaching, he was older than them. Um, but for me, for experience-wise, I feel like I probably have more experience and knowledge than you do. You know, you weren't – this wasn't your career for, you know, 12 years or so. But – from that standpoint, I feel like I have a little more experience. If and that's the, probably why he's asking me questions. <laughs> <laughs> if the Vikings hire Kellen Moore, 
who interviewed today, actually, for the Vikings job. He is one year younger than Kirk Cousins. So they will have a taste of that if we get there. Uh, Sally, well, I was going to ask mm-hmm. BMAC. So out of all the GM candidates that the Vikings have interviewed, they're all under 45 and most of them are in their 30s. Would that make how would that make you feel as a player <laughs> that the guy writing up your contract? I just, player, I just feel like them being young, it's just as long as they are making great decisions, um, mm-hmm. because everybody has to start somewhere. And I, I would probably welcome the young too, just because it'll probably give it a different, you know, a different feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, that's somebody who could probably be there for a while too. You know what I mean? Yeah. By, them being, by them being young and able to, you know, grow and understand some things. So having, you know, more mature guys there for, you know, for a very long time, but now bringing in some some younger energy, I mean, it could, I feel like, turn some things around, especially in the in the drafting, you know, when it comes time to draft people and just make things a little more exciting. So I would like to see, and, it, and to me, the younger guys may be a little more in tune to the college things too. Um, mm-hmm. They're not as far removed. So they probably really are paying attention or have paid attention to a lot of these guys coming out of college and know who should get drafted or, or picked. So it should make it a little more exciting. Where if you have a guy who's been a veteran, who's been doing this for 20 some years, it could get a little boring to him. You know what yeah, I'm saying? But yeah. it's the young guy. He's trying to prove himself. He's fresh. He's new. He wants to show, you know, everybody what he's got going on and how he can make great decisions. I feel like he's going to try a lot harder because he wants, you know, his name to, you know, build up a resume. And then let's face it, Cousins is, he'll be 34 <laughs> when the season starts. And he's really, you know, feelings getting close to that at 31 or 32. Cousins would only really be the old head that would be impacted by a younger coach, but he's, Cousin's really going to kick up a fuss, you know, when's the last no. time he did that about anything. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think he'd be fine. Uh, Sally, is it your opinion that Zimmer's prickliness was part of his undoing? Well, let me say there were two surprising things that came out this week. In my opinion, the first thing was that it seemed like the majority of Vikings fans and Vikings Twitter were surprised by this news of <laughs> that was the vibe in the locker room. The second most surprising thing was that Mike Zimmer knows how to make a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> so um, those are the two things that really uh, surprised me. I'm really wondering how I can get my hands on this PowerPoint. I need to know if there were animations, uh, transitions, anything like that. What was the, <laughs> the theme, the color scheme? How intricate was this PowerPoint? Did he actually make it himself? Because I don't really believe it. But um, I just I'm I don't think that most of this was news Um, just as an outsider. This was I this is what I assumed that it was almost this whole time, (laughs) even if you're looking back to like 2015, 16, when Sharif Floyd was injured and he went he was so hard on Sharif in the media. And then it comes out that the poor guy's got nerve damage from a botched surgery and years later, and like if he was doing that in front of the media to a player that's having a tough time behind the scenes, what is he, how is he treating him, you know, face to face? Then it came out that Zimmer had iced him out and not talked to him for months because of this. And it's like, so I thought we saw inklings of this pretty early on. Um, to me, it really stood out with I know kickers are a different breed of player, but it was rumored that he iced out Blair Walsh and didn't speak to Blair Walsh for all that time. And then, you know, after the missed kick in the playoff game, well, Blair Walsh was never the same again after that. Is that all in Mike Zimmer? No, but you're experienced enough in this league to know that 
your player needs, your kicker needs to be in a good headspace. So then you go and like do that all over again with your fifth round draft pick rookie kicker and like try to play games with him in the preseason by going for two to like send him a message doing that kind of stuff to guys to me just doesn't send a good message to the rest of the group as a whole. So I wasn't surprised by any of it. I think obviously if they would have had more success, then he would have been around longer. But even if you're being successful, I don't think it's cool to treat guys like that. And then let's not forget before I met any of you guys, uh, the $200,000 fine to digs for his AWOL moment. I remember when that news first broke, I swore that was a typo that they added one too many zeros, but it was 200,000 bucks. I don't even yeah. remember that. Yep, what? I, re- I remember, uh, like I said, before I wrote about the Vikings, before I met any of you guys, I remember when ESPN reported that story and it said Diggs fined $200,000 for going AWOL. And I remember looking the next day at Fox Sports, looking at NBC Sports, thinking that's got to be 20000 But no, it stood multiple sources, multiple media outlets had $200,000 fine. And that was a fine from Zimmer? That was Zimmer's decision? I don't know if it was. No, it was probably. Well, I mean, Zimmer. Well, it was a collaborative yeah, effort. Yeah, that but was, was that was the fine. penance for, you know, when when Diggs got pissed because of his targets or whatever after the Bears game. So, and then I want I wanted my personal theory on the PowerPoint that the way that it was prefaced is that like, you know, he turned on the computer and said, let's go through all the bullshit that I've been through. I'm pretty sure it probably happened like when Daniil Hunter was lost to the year or something. And he said, look at all the diversity or adversity. We've yeah. Been. I'm guessing that's what it was, but the way that it was kind of prefaced for the masses was that on a Tuesday, he was like, let's sit down and look at all this bullshit that I've been through guys. I don't think that's the way that it went. No. And Sounds I agree like with you. Scott Breland would do it. And that's what, <laughs> that's what annoys me about this narrative of, Oh, he doesn't say hi in the hallway. These guys are soft. It's not that he literally doesn't say hi in the hallway. That's not what it is. Like that's yeah. just, that's just like an expression for like the general vibe of how he interacted with people. It's not that Brian O'Neill needs him to come up and shake his hand and ask about his weekend. So it's just like, I just wish people would think about themselves and their own lives. Like, Hey, if you're working in the IT department at bank of America and you have a toxic boss, it might start trickling down and making you be in a bad mood and your coworkers be in a bad mood and not hit your quotas. I don't know. It just, yeah, <laughs> you know, I think- it may, like acting like old school is better just because it's old school in that aspect and that people are soft right. because they don't react well to that is it's BS. And to put it in that perspective at any of our jobs, if we're treated poorly, we're going to complain about it. So yeah. I don't know why we expect any different from these guys. And I'm a lot older than all of the people on the Vikings. <laughs> and I don't like it when I'm disrespected at work. Exactly. That's the thing. It's not about having tough skin or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. I, d- I, I just wasn't surprised by it. I, I think it spoke volumes on the day of the termination or perhaps the day after, but I thought it was the day. The first interview that Eric Kendricks gave, he said mm-hmm. the words fear-based organization. And Eric Kendricks is not a, a, a drama merchant. Um, and if, and I thought that would have been the type of guy that loves Zimmer. You know, the heart of the defense, the arguably the best player in the defense. You'd think that that would be the guy who would go to war for him. Um, but no, that was more like Adam Thielen's role. said that, you know, the team was better spot than when he got here, you know, taking uh, the classy speech that he only gave. And then uh, Kendricks just kept it real and said, you know, it's going to be cool not to have this fear-based stuff. And that's as a fan, you know, Kendricks isn't in this to throw people on the bus. So- <laughs> Michael Scott PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, that's uh, let's see. Is there anything else? Any other uh, things of note that we missed? Because I was going to say a general manager by the time we get back on Wednesday. I was going to say I like after like just kind of looking through. I I, I have three names that I think could be the Tyson would be coming back to. Jack Del Rio is obviously the top of the list because he had two coaching stints under him in Jacksonville and then in Oakland. So that's got to be the top. Um, the other one, then Lovey Smith, because he was let go when the new guy took over for Lovey. And then the third one that I think maybe, again, if if he is serious about who he'd come out of retirement for, Scott Linehan. And that's because oh God, Linehan was a, his offensive coordinator um, when he was uh, – It was Linehan your offensive coordinator, B-Man? Yeah, you okay. were. And I, wasn't he – was Linehan the one who uh, – his brother-in-law is uh, Jim Caviezel, right? If I recall. I think um, I think I've heard PA say that story that um, the that the the actor who played uh, Jesus in the movie uh, that's his brother in law. So I think that's who it is. But is Linehan the one who took over in Jacks? No, that was uh, he took over the Rams. Bevel, I think Bevel. Yeah, yeah. So, Linehan. I haven't thought about that name forever. Yeah, that's but that's the only one out of that's uh, a, essentially a pupil of Mike Tice. So I could see. Uh, see that potentially happening. And I don't think, yeah, Linehan's never gotten a second shot. Yeah, at it, so. It's been a while. All right, folks. Well, I, th- I think by the time we get back, we'll either be damn close to having a GM and I don't know. It's kind of a 50, 50. I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll discuss that next week. And then Brian, you're going to see if it's feasible to get <laughs> Spielman on the show. Right. All right, cool. I think we need to go around and everyone give their prediction for AFC and NFC championship game. Oh, yeah. I need um, more bragging rights. <laughs> yeah, I thought the Patriots were going to get there. I believed in Belichick. I was wrong. So now I will change course and say an AFC championship will be Chiefs Bengals. NFC championship will be Bucks 49ers. Who's next? Who's Katie, go next. Katie, go ahead. Um, oh, okay, I think NFC will be Green Bay and uh, the Bucks. And AFC... Yeah, Chiefs Bengals. I'll go with that one too. I think that's headed that direction. Ron, lay it down. Well, I guess I'm the outlier. I guess. Well, I do have the Chiefs um, just because I don't see Buffalo going in there and uh, Josh Allen going toe to toe with Mahomes. Um, but I do have the Titans. I think Derrick Henry back in any capacity um, <laughs> after having however many months off he's had. I would not want to be a defense that has to go up against that. Um, and then on the NFC side, um, I actually have, and it's not because of the quarterback, because, you know, like I said, I'm not the biggest Stafford fan, but I think the Buccaneers and their, what they're missing um, as far as, you know, weapons on offense, you know, Tyler Johnson um, showed his inexperience on a lot of plays on Sunday. Uh, but I think the defense of the Rams is going to contain um, the Bucks and a lot of that too, they're going to be motivated with Raheem Morris going back to the team that fired him. So I think the Rams will win and I do have the Niners winning. I, th- I don't think that it's a good matchup for the Packers. This is not my Wisconsin um, dis- um, hatred, we'll call it. It's, that's not the team that the Packers match up well with. Like the running the ball, like again, 300 yards a couple of years ago, I can see that happening again. If we get there before we get to Sally's predictions, um, if we get there, um, Sean McVay is 0 and 6 against Kyle Shanahan. Wow. You believe not that? Good. Not good. Not right. good for my guy. A KC San Fran uh, matchup awaits. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and then maybe Garoppolo hits the pass to Emmanuel Sanders and they win. Yeah, that was wild. Bryant, do you have a you have champ, conference championship showdowns? I'm staying the 49ers in Tampa Bay. Okay. 
and I'm going to say Tennessee. Who else is it? <laughs> it's uh, Bill's Chiefs. Bill's yeah. Chiefs. <laughs> um, probably Tennessee and the Chiefs. Okay. And Sally, oh. take us away. Well, no one believes in Buffalo, huh? Um, I am going with Buffalo over the Chiefs. And then I do think Tennessee is going to beat the Bengals. I would really like the Bengals to win, but I, I don't think that they're going to pull it out. They're a young team. I think they'll continue. Their window is just open. So, um, And then, unfortunately, I do think the Packers are going to win this weekend. And I really, really, really want the Rams to win. Um, but I just I don't really trust them. I feel like they're kind of like, an all-star team that still hasn't really figured out how to work together mm-hmm. consistently. So I do think it's going to be Bucks Packers. So you'll get Brady and Rogers. Like you always wanted. Well, I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> I know. I'm I want facetious. Stafford Galapolo. Sometimes you have Garoppolo. a hard, sometimes you have a hard time distinguishing when I'm being facetious. Only online. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. Online, yep. online I trip out. When, and then I later, I'm like, why did I just get so mad about that? Like, I don't, when Believe captions the video for this promo, I hope they caption that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'll caption that for the Instagram. Oh, phew. Okay, good. All right, we'll be it's, back. It, you, deserve, you deserve an apology segment. Oh, no, it's me, all good. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. All right. Well, Katie, thank you for joining us. Hell yeah, Katie. Thanks, yeah, for, thanks for having Katie. me. He's always yeah. available within a day's notice. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes hours notice. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what our championship games are. Yeah. All right, Brian, see what you can do for Slick Rick, and then we'll see you guys next Wednesday night. All right. Bye, guys. Have a good one, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.